King, the Savior of the world, amen. Can you stand to your feet? Some of you may not know, but uh, football season just started this weekend. Is everybody, I don't know if anybody's excited about that, but I was thinking about, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, who's your team. Go Big Blue. Uh, we serve a God. He is always victorious, amen. And I think about that in the, in the terms of the game. He doesn't need overtime to win the battle, right? Let's worship him today. Let's praise him. My God will finish what he started. He holds the world within his hand. My God delivers on a promise. Nothing's greater than him. My God will break down every stronghold. Jericho walls don't stand a chance. My God can conquer any giant. Nothing's greater than him. Nothing's greater than him. The victory is yours. The battle ain't over. The glory is yours. Amen. Singing through the fire, my God is not finished yet. Oh. My God is with me every moment. No powers of hell can hold him down. My God turns death to resurrection. Nothing's greater than him. Nothing's greater than Him. The victory, the victory is yours. Though the battle ain't over, the glory is yours. Amen. With hands lifted high, I'll be singing through the fire. My God is not finished yet. Come on. The victory is yours. Yes, Though the battle ain't over, the glory is yours, amen. With hands lifted high, I'll be singing through the fire. My God is not finished yet. Oh, I believe. Oh, I believe a miracle can happen. It's my it already has, so I will praise, even in the waiting, my God, He's not finished yet. Oh, I believe a miracle can happen, cause my God said, it already, already has, so
Somebody say amen out there. stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard tender whispers of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never
survived uh, the rain yesterday and uh, enjoying a long, long, fun weekend. I hope, I hope, I hope. Hey, uh, if you're watching online, we're glad that you're with us. If you went really someplace really cool for Labor Day weekend, you're online right now. Why don't you just type in the comment bar bar so we can uh, all be jealous uh, and pray for you uh, while you're there. So that's really cool. Hey, I need help. All right. I need help. Uh, and, and yeah, I'll explain why. Um, we are trying something today that if I could just have a few guys, as soon as this service is over, uh, to help us with our pipe and drape, because we found out on Thursday night that with our less crowded services, it really is awesome when we shrink down the size of the room and so Dennis will be back there we've got four or five other guys that already know the plan if you would just help us we can put up pipe and drape in five minutes uh, before the next service and it'll be really really cool it'll help the the, uh, energy of that service a lot so if if when the last amen if you can kind of hang around for like five minutes that will help us greatly okay I want to show you a picture and I want to ask you a question all right hit this picture what do all of those animals have in common and they're animals i think i heard somebody say it i think i heard somebody every one of those animals or sets of them they all mate for life every one of them every one of them and there's a whole i tried to memorize like every one of those things and i just gave up on it i couldn't do that but so that every one of those those species by their design they mate for life. That's who they, they, that's their partner for life. And here's the really incredible thing about it is that the creator of all the universe put that inside of them, wired them that way. That's how they were created to be. They didn't just get together, have a committee meeting and say, Hey, I think this would be a good idea for all the penguins to do this. It didn't, it didn't, it, that the creator made them that way. And here's the other interesting thing. The creator of all the universe made us that way. But we decided we could outthink him. 
and we could figure things out on our own. And so our world obviously doesn't live that way today. And, 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 and you could say, well, why? You know, because like, yeah, I can see where that would be. That would have, that would in my life solved a lot of problems. I know there's people who are thinking that way. So why doesn't it end up that way? It's, it's obvious. It's obvious. We, we live in this world that has been messed up since Genesis 3. And, and I know that any time that, that we start talking about something like this, any time I start talking about marriage, and today we are going to, it's going to be broader than that, but it's going to be focused a lot on marriage. Next week it's parenting. Next week, we really kind of shift in this better series and talk about parenting, and it's a really important one. So I hope everybody's back, and hope you'll be here and invite some friends, because it's going to be powerful, powerful, powerful next week as we talk about circles of influence. But when it comes to the marriage relationship, things have got out of whack with the very first one, and so now we see this where we have this world where it's full of bitter divorce and custody battles and infidelity, broken homes and uh, scarred and cynical children and blended families and the struggles that come with that, one night stands, all those things that none of those species have to deal with. It'd be easier if we could live by the way the creator designed us, but because of the brokenness in the world, we all have to figure out how to deal with our individual pieces of that brokenness and, and kind of like uh, kind of like Kintsuki that we talked about that first week, kind of how do we mend those things back together? It, because cause here's the reality. I want to show you this in scripture. Marriage is at the root of who we are. It's at the root of the Bible. It's at the root of all history. In fact, let me just walk you through the entire Bible here in about three minutes, okay? And show you how important marriage is throughout all of scripture. The very first story in all of scripture is about marriage. It's about Adam and Eve and God bringing them together and all that's not good for that guy to be down there by himself I need to create a special someone for him. I need to create a partner in that way And so Eve is created and though so here here we just saying about the good good father So if you think about it this way, here's what happened in the Garden of Eden the good good father gave away the very first bride very first story right from the jump start okay then you go all the way to the other end of scripture go all the way to the other end of scripture go to revelation go almost all the way to the maps at the back of your bible and the last story in there is about the the second coming of the what the bridegroom for his bride the church and the spirit and the bride say come it's all in there think about jesus life Jesus is born. You got the whole Christmas, the nativity uh, scenario. And 30 years into his life, his mother outs him at what? A wedding. His very first ministry opportunity took place at a wedding. And, and she's saying, oh, yeah, just, you know, there's no wine left. Go talk to my son. He can hook you up with whatever. And he's like, mom, mom, not yet. Not yet. It's not the right time. And then, you know how good moms are. Yeah, that's my boy. Do whatever he says. That's a loose translation. It's accurate, though. And, and so they did exactly what she, what Jesus told them to do uh, at a wedding. The last kind of story of ministry before, before the crucifixion, Jesus has got got all of his all of his groomsmen so to speak in the upper room and he's talking to them and in the whole last few days before the one time during those last few days he said this to him he said hey guys don't worry don't let your hearts be troubled 
you believe in God, believe also in me. Everything's going to be okay. I got this. Everything's going to be okay. And they're like, God, what? You know, I don't know what you're talking about. And then he tells them this, this, gives them this image that sometimes we look at and go, huh, what? He says, in my father's house are many rooms, mansions, places, depending on which translation you read, okay? But in in my father's house are many rooms. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And when I go to prepare a place for you, I will come so that where I am there, you can be also, we can be together. And and then you get into the whole Thomas thing, but people are like, what's he talking about? But see, Jesus, guys, his disciples, his father, they knew exactly well because in the Jewish custom, Part of the engagement period, part of the proposal, part of the betrothing period was that the groom-to-be was going to go back to his father's house, the main family homestead, and he was going to build an additional room on the house so that they could go back and live with the family. That's just what they did. Some of you ladies are going, man, I'm glad we don't do that today. But that's what they did. So you see the image of what he was saying? He said, the, the groom is going to get things ready for the bride. And that's what he was talking about. I'm going back to be with the father, but I'm the bridegroom and I'm coming back for my bride, the church. It's all throughout scripture. Now, as I said, I know, I understand that we start talking about marriage, we immediately eliminate kind of half the room. Half the room either is not married or not married happily or uh, single and want to be married or single and don't ever want to be married or single used to be married and the idea of that happening again terrifies me. We, we got to think all of it, but, but here's what I'm going to tell you. What we're getting ready to talk about that, that is kind of applied to me, these principles, these principles, it's a cool thing about these principles will work in every relationship you have on this planet. They will work in a marriage relationship. They will work in a parent-child relationship. They will actually work in a co-worker, that person that's next to you on the assembly line or in the cubicle next to you or down the hall. These, these things work wherever we choose to apply them. But we got to understand where they come from, okay? Back, I'm going to date myself a little bit here. I'm going to date some of the rest of you because some of you guys will be able to answer this. Back in 1971... A group of young people from all around the world, all kinds of nationalities, were brought together in Italy to sing a song about the real thing. Do you remember what the real thing was? Okay, yeah. We just told, heard from the generation older than 1971, okay? All right, so we got that, all right? They got together, they sang this really cool song. It, it's, you know, all this stuff. I'm not going to sing for you. Uh, but it, it was all about Coke. It was like the real thing. I hate to burst the bubble, but Coke ain't the real thing. It's not even the good thing anymore half the time, all right? But according, here's the, here's the deal though. According to C.S. Lewis, a lot of you have read his stuff. C.S. Lewis, when he was writing, he wrote a book called The Weight of Glory. And he said in that, he said, if you ask 20 good men today, and this would have been like decades ago, okay, a long time ago. But even then, he said, if you ask... 20 good men today, what they thought the highest virtue was, and 19, he said, would reply, unselfishness. 
He said, but if you had asked that same question a couple generations ago, every one of them would have replied, love. And, and now, this is going back a long time, but C.S. Lewis said, we have gone from love being, without a doubt, the greatest virtue, to now it's about unselfishness, which is kind of a part of love, but it's already, what he, the point he was making, it's already shifting to me. Because that's part of it is I want people to be unselfish with me, but I got my own things. I got my own things here. See, love is what makes the world go around as they sing in songs, and, and sometimes it is. But it's not the real thing. Jesus Christ is the real thing. That's what's going to hold us together. So, so with all that as a backdrop, how do we learn to receive God's love and give it away in our relationships to make them not perfect, but what? Better, right? That's what we're working towards, better. How many of you, how many of you have ever, well, let me ask you this way, okay, let me ask. How many of you speak more than one language? Anybody? Anybody can speak more than one language? Okay, there's six of us in here. Okay, that's great. All right. How many of you tried to learn a second language? <laughs> uh, praise God, church is all about grace, and it's a perfect place for failures like us, okay? I, I, I took, I've taken three languages, all right? I took four years of Spanish in high school. By the time I was a senior in high school, you know the flashcard stuff? I could have gotten every word. I mean, I could, I could just spit them out. I could get every word. Now I, I, I'm going to get hola and como esta usted and I'm lost. And I'm afraid to ask anybody como esta usted because they may respond to that and then I'm really lost, okay? So, you know, I've kind of chosen it's better off to play dumb, all right? Learning a second language is difficult, especially the older you get, the more difficult it is. You know why? Because you have your natural language embedded in your brain. And and so trying to change that is is just, it's it's a mental block. It's a hard thing to do. But I think it's interesting to me, it's interesting to me that the number one language learning tool on the market today is called Babel. That's kind of interesting to me because they got their name from the time when God chose to confuse all the language in the world and make it to where we didn't understand each other. Because at that time, everybody was speaking the same language and you think, oh, that would be wonderful. No, they were using that for all the wrong reasons. And so God said, all right, enough, you know, and he confused all the languages and we've, to a certain degree, been confused ever since. But the number one language learning tool today is called Babel. Now, the sound, they, they sound like Babel when you start talking about languages of love. Because we've all got our own opinions. It's just like learning an actual second language. We've all got an opinion, a mental mindset that we've put in place based on life experiences of what we think love really is and how it should be described. And when others don't have that same ideal, whether they be our spouse, our child, our grandchild, our next door neighbor, the guy down the street, or the person that we go to church with, when people have an other, a different understanding of it, it's almost like Babel. And we've got Charlie Brown's teacher, wah, 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 you know, all that kind of stuff going on. But in the beginning, when God created a perfect environment, pure love 
was the language. But then sin comes in, and that brings self in. And so today what I want to do for just a moment here is I want to look at the, the languages of love, kind of the same ones, actually the same ones that Dr. Gary Chapman wrote about in his book, The Five Love Languages. And I wanted to, to use them in such a way to develop better relationships with God and others and in general, finally, that we can work on that blessed arrangement called marriage. A few of you know what I'm talking about. In the book, The Five Love Languages, the very first one, and and I'm just going to cruise through these, but I need to give you an overview. The very first one is words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. You see, God revealed the power of words right from the beginning when he spoke creation into being. You think about it. That's That's how all this got here. God said, let there be light. Poof. Words created. Let there be trees created let there be all these birds and animals that saw on the screen created and then he got into man that we'll talk about in just a moment but in the word it tells us to use our words carefully God throughout his word talks about the importance of words and about how we use them and about how we use the tongue and how it is like a a rudder that changes the course of direction of a ship and how we need to use our tongue to build people up and not to tear them down. All the positive things. We look at our world today and man, have we twisted words. We've twisted words. Here's something we need to think about when this whole idea of words of affirmation. Affirmation is to acknowledge something solid, okay? Wow, that, that's awesome. You really did good at that. You, it's something that you can actually see. Into. Affirmation is not flattery. Those are two completely different things. Because you know what flattery ends up being? Flattery are those things that we feel like we're supposed to be nice to someone, and so we tell them nice things that, that quite often aren't true. You know how I know that? I am confident of that difference. That's why we have the first two weeks of American Idol every year. You with me? There's all these people walk around and somebody told them they could sing. And then put them on national TV to embarrass them. And instead of saying, you know, you might be a really good artist. Like, why don't we draw some or whatever? No, see, we think, oh, I'm supposed to be nice to them. And, and, and they want to do this. They want to be good at this. So I'm just going to tell them how really good they are at this. No, they're not. And all we're doing is, is hurting them. You know where I see that too? I see it all the time growing up in sports. You got that kid whose mom or dad coaches the pick a sport, the soccer team, the baseball team, the football team, whatever. And because their kid wants to be the quarterback, they make him the quarterback because their, their, their daughter wants to be like the head cheerleader. They make them the head cheerleader. And, and it's really cute when they're all like small and little and everything like that. And then you got this boy that's been the shortstop on the baseball team ever since he was in T-ball. And his parents said, oh, you're wonderful at this. And then he gets to a team where he actually has to try out. 
and make the team. And not only is he not the starting shortstop, he's not on the team. It's because people tried to flatter instead of saying, honey, let's, let's, let's figure out because God created you and we've all got gifts and talents. I'm just not saying that one is yours. You know? Let's find the one that it is. And then we can affirm that one. Then we can, and you see the difference? See how much difference that would make? Because we, we, we work with them, we work with those people, and, and we find out what the real talent is, and we affirm them in that, and now they're ready to do something. But think about that kid who was told they could sing all their life until they got on national TV, and now the whole world's making fun of them. What thoughts are going through their mind about all those people who had told them they could sing? They lied to me. And if they lied to me about that, what else did they lied to me about? And so we've got to be really careful because words of affirmation are important. You can live for days on a compliment, can't you? You can live for days on a compliment. And, but it just takes one negative one to destroy a whole bunch of positive ones, okay? So let's move on because I could stay there forever and ever and ever, all right? But words of affirmation are important. The second one is quality time. Quality time. That's some people's love. I just, I just like to be present. And we talked a little bit about that last week. But the, the power of presence. And, and here's how we can learn from that. One of the qualities of God, the, the creator of all everything, is his omniscience. That means, his, and, and that's his all-knowingness. And his omnipotence, that's his all-powerfulness. And his omnipresence, that means God is always present with us always present with us and we can see his love in that he he, jesus when he's here i'll never leave you or forsake you i may not be physically in your presence but i will be with you i will be with you but but here's what happens we have jobs we work we get busy and it gets in the way of this love language. You know, and, and I can remember back, back in the day, decades ago, when I was a youth minister. And, and I'd have people like, well, we, you know, we're doing this. Oh, we, can't do, we can't do anything that night because that's our, that's our family night. That's, a, we, we, that's our family night together. And then I'd try to like, I'd stumble like, really? That is so cool. Tell me what you do. What do y'all, what do, y'all do on family night? And then they'd start describing, well, you know, my husband usually watches Monday night football and the kids are playing, you know, back then would have been Nintendo or whatever. And and I'm putting stuff away in the kitchen and I'm like, oh, so family night means you are all under the same roof. That means it's family night. That's not quality time. That's just being in the same room. That's not being present. Do you realize that you can be in the same room and not be present? You realize? And now, man, where did I leave? I, praise God, I didn't bring my phone up here. It's the first time in a long time I haven't had it with me. All right? Because we don't know what to do. We don't know. I don't know what to do with my hands. So I don't know. Like, you know, you catch yourself today. At our, you'll see people sitting there going, and they don't have the phone. Because they're so used to like, you know, I don't know what to do with my hands. If I don't have my phone. Or... You know, and it's happened a few times at our house, especially now with grandkids. And we're sitting around and like we're 15 feet away from each other, texting each other. It's not quality time. 
Not quality time at all. So we work on our words of affirmation. You think about it in a marriage relationship, though. Are you present or are you just in the same room? That's something you should wrestle with today, all right? Move on to the third one. I got to keep going. I got to keep going. The third one is receiving gifts. Receiving gifts. I love that around here, because we talk about giving occasionally, financial giving. That's what keeps the ministry going. But the term we use more often than just giving is generosity. Because that's really what this is all about, is being generous. Because God is generous. God is generous in everything he has done. You see, for some, gifts are a physical symbol of how they feel about their partner. They, they just like, okay, I'm going to like, this will show. This, this will show. Hey, listen to me, guys. We don't give to gain. That, that's one of those tweetable things. You can write that down. We, we shouldn't give to gain. We give to express love. And remember, it doesn't matter how much it costs. And you guys get that. You, you guys get that phenomenon. It doesn't really get, The most special gifts in your life cost nothing. You know how I know that? I've been in a lot of your houses, and I've been in your kitchen, and I've seen your refrigerator door. And you think about it right now. How much did all the stuff with magnets on it on your refrigerator door, how much did all of that cost? Virtually nothing. You know, none of you have gold chains hanging on your refrigerator door. You've got pictures in crayon that don't even come close to being inside the lines, and you would fight to save that thing. If the house caught on fire, you'd, some of you would go for that stuff on the refrigerator door before you'd go for the stuff in the safe because of its value. It's real value, and really it's because of the value of the one who gave you the gift and what they mean to you, and that makes it special. And so we need to think about that as we give and understand that the gift of God is eternal life that comes through the gift of Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection. That's receiving, and so we receive from the goodness of God that we sang about this morning. Number four, number four is this, acts of service. Acts of service. Some people would call this random acts of kindness. This is helping, helping the people that you care about with things with which you know they would appreciate help. They, they struggle with it. And so you figure out, what are the things that I can do that really help out a lot? When, when Kim and I were, were engaged and, and getting ready to get married, and we were talking about, like, I found out pretty early on that my wife absolutely hates doing the dishes. Hates it. Hands and water is just not, it's like a, and I grew up doing dishes. So guess what I figured out pretty quickly? I figured out really quickly that I could get a lot of points if I would do the dishes. I figured that one out pretty quick. And early on, in the early days, we didn't have a dishwasher. And, and so, so it was like, okay, I got this. I got this. She, she doesn't mind doing laundry a bit. She hates folding clothes. Guess what? I love folding clothes. 
I worked at Shillitoes in high school. I had to fold the stuff that you all took off the racks and put it back on the racks. I'm good. Like, okay, that, those are so simple things. And guess what I figured out? That now in a world where you got TVs everywhere, I can wash dishes and fold the clothes and watch sports at the same time. It's a win all the way around. But you know what? Even now, 36 years into this journey, last week I walked in the house one day and walked in the kitchen. You talk about breaking my heart. She's standing at the sink with her hands in the dishwasher or in the dishwater. And I'm like, you are the biggest jerk in the world. In fact, I, I, told, the, I told some of the staff this week, I, I'm never going to preach another series on marriage ever again in my life because every time I do and I start writing it, I realize what a jerk I really am most of the time. Because I always fall short of really showing Kim how much I love her. I'm going to try. I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep trying. But that's what we do is that we figure out what are those things, what are those things that we can do for those people that we love? And like I said, it's not just your spouse. What's something you can do for your child or your grandchild this week that's not going to cost you really anything, but you know that when they, when they're doing it with you or you're doing it with or for them, that you know there will be a smile from ear to ear. And we think about those things, and we figure out how to serve in that way. And sometimes we just do those things for people. Man, if we get in the habit of doing those things, we'll do them for people we don't even know. Like I said before, that's when you're like at Walmart, and that cart that's in your parking space, you don't just fuss about it. You get it, and you walk it back inside. You're going that way anyway. Why not push just little acts of service that help people out? And remember... The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Which brings us to number five. And it's, it's the last one on this list. It was the last one on the relationship assessment model that we looked at last week. And that is physical touch. Now, when we start talking about marriage, we start talking about male and female relationship, the discussion of touch always goes to intimacy. And, and listen, let me, I've been saying this all through this series. That is an important part of it, that God created that. But remember last week, remember last week when we had the, the, the things up on the screen and we had the sliders and then we were talking about moving the sliders? Understand this, that like on a soundboard or on a light board, there is the main slider, but they all have a sub-level adjustments to be made. See, what happens is when we start hitting full throttle on physical, in, physical touch and we haven't dealt with some of those sub-level levers, we'll get things out of whack and we get things out of control. But it's not just, it's not just in that intimacy in a marriage relationship. We get things out of control and touch all the time. And it's sad because you know how we were created? Everything else Everything else God spoke into existence. You know what he did for us? He took the earth and formed Adam. He touched. And then he decided it wasn't good for Adam to be alone. And he performed the first surgery and took out a rib and created Eve. Touch has been important since the beginning of creation. We've got to figure out how to appropriately touch people, all kinds of people. 
Because you've heard of the stories, the, the horrible stories of, of kids that ended up, they didn't have that in their life, and they ended up in an orphanage somewhere, and they had no physical interaction, no nurturing, no holding, no cuddling, all those things, and now they even have a term for it. Now they have an attachment disorder because they didn't get the touches that they were supposed to give in their life, or they got bad touches, and that's a different disorder completely. Jesus showed the power of touch in his ministry. You know, Jesus walked up, and this man that's got leprosy, and he's having to scream out, unclean, unclean, every time anybody gets near. And yes, yeah, stay with me here. Yes, Jesus, when he did touch him, he healed him of his leprosy. But I'm pretty sure, I'm, I'm confident that even if the man's leprosy hadn't gone away, Jesus changed that guy that day when he touched him. Just nobody had touched him. Nobody touched him at all. Remember the, the woman who had, had the issue, and all she did was touch Jesus' garment, and everything changed? And they didn't want the little kids to come to Jesus, and they're bothering him, and he said, no, let the kids come. And what they did, they came and crawled up on his lap, and he touched them, and he hugged them. They caught a woman in the act of adultery, and he taught all the lesson, and then he picked her up, and he touched her in a very special, non-intimate way, but let her know she had value and worth. Touch is incredibly 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 important and the Bible's clear that God is love so of those five love languages which one says love to you and if you are married have you figured out which one says love to your spouse which one says love to your children which one says love to your grandchildren which ways can you express love to other people See, we get caught up in emotions at times. Like, here's the deal. I know what's going to happen here in just a few minutes when we're done. And as, there's a really good chance that oh, overwhelming majority of you, you're going to stay around for an ABF. And if you do that, I know this is going to happen. Uh, or even if you don't, that, that people are going to go out here and they're going to get in their cars after a wonderful time of worship and, and praising the Lord and raising our hands and being excited. And then the guy driving the car is going to go say, say, okay, where do you want to eat? Hit a nerve, didn't I? And then it's on like Donkey Kong, right? Because you know what they're going to respond? I don't know, whatever you want. Yes, you do know, and no, not whatever I want. Because ladies let, me, ladies, let me help you out here just for a minute really quickly. That guy that just asked you, where do you want to eat? He only has one thing on his mind. It's a three-letter word. No, not that one. Eat. That's all he's singing. Eat. He could care less if it's Chinese, Japanese, Mexican, Italian. Just where are we going to eat? Because for most of us dudes, here's the deal. As long as it's dead and pretty well cooked, we're good. But we get in this situation, where do you want to eat? And it becomes this like battlefield and like I don't know wherever you want to go okay let's go to Mexico oh no I had Mexican Thursday night well why didn't you say that 
because we now we're now we're getting emotional see some of some of you probably were holding hands until i said that now you're not holding hands <laughs> i see i know i got you i got you all right so we, we how do we get past those emotional things here's what i want you to do if you got your bible with you open up to ephesians chapter 5 we can't talk about marriage and not go to ephesians chapter 5 and yeah i'm going to tell you right up front that this is a this is a passage of scripture that causes emotions to rise at times but i'm going to show you something i'm going to show you something in the first verse we're going to look at today because a lot of times when this passage of scripture is read we start at verse 22 but today we're starting at verse 21 all right and that's important all right so ephesians 5 21 look at what it says Submit. That's that word that gets all okay. But look at what it says for submit to who? One another. That's like in this room, who needs to submit today? Y'all miss that completely, all right? That's like everybody. You could even submit to raising your hand because I don't move in church, all right? So anyway, here we go. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. If you, are a, if you, say, if you leave here today saying do you, that person, those people in the car, or anybody else out there, that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then one of the things that you are all, all of us are supposed to do is submit. Submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. Now, wives, submit yourselves and stay with me. You're going you're gonna to enjoy where I'm going to go with this in a little bit, all right? Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. And half the room is kind of like, eh, I'm not sure right now, okay? But stay with me because you'll notice that all that we've read right there in Scripture, it was on one slide, right? that slide never changed it was all on one slide all right guys get ready because you've got two full slides coming i think it's maybe because paul understood we were a little bit slower on the uptake or something like that but here it comes all right husbands love your wives just as christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless in this same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself after all, no one ever hated their own body. They feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. And for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But what I'm talking about here really is Christ and the church. See, marriage is all throughout the Bible because the relationship of Christ and the church is the same as what we're supposed to be modeling in our own lives of submitting to one another just as humans and then figuring out our relationships and the marriage relationship and how that works best together. But it all starts with submit to one another in love. And, and for that to happen, there has to be some give and take. How many of you have heard, especially like old school, you don't hear them talk about it. But how many of you heard the term marriage altar? They're, they're, going to, they're going to the marriage altar today. Well, what was an altar used for? Sacrifice. 
said that's what an altar was for and so if we think about a marriage altar we got to think about okay you got you got the bride and you get the bride coming and like you're like here's here's me and I'm, I'm putting this i'm putting this or i guess from this side especially with the groom coming and putting this on the altar and then you got the bride and coming this is all of who i am right now and i'm i'm putting this on the altar and then all of a sudden you're this and you're this now becomes our this and we put it all on the altar of sacrifice because we need to have a one flesh kind of relationship that's not just physical but it's about everything we are we are one in everything and what ephesians 5 is really doing is teaching us some classic male female stereotypes all right let me see i'm gonna show you my artwork and hopefully the camera can get this for you guys over here here's the deal here's what happens ladies i'm going to help you out really quick here okay here is what the men in your life need more than anything else from you more than anything else from you more than anything you follow me more than anything they actually that's what they need that's what they need they just they, and 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 i say the men in your life because i'm not talking about just the one that you're married to all right the men in general like they want to feel like i'm good at that I, i'm good at that you know they love men men love hearing the words i love you but you really you really want to like make them melt ladies tell them i feel safe when i'm in your arms now you got him now i promise now you got him because what he wants to although he may not always show what he wants to know he went like yeah i'm i'm the man <laughs> don't mess with don't mess with any of my peeps all right because they feel safe when i'm around because i'm the man all right and that's an issue of respect all right am i right i'm I'm serious that's that's it guys here you go here's here's your chance you know what you know what your lady needs more than anything else the number one thing she needs she needs to know you love her in an emotional way in an emotional way that you cherish her that you like jesus said you'd take a bullet for her you you love her at that level it's huge now here's the cool thing if this really works right if this really works right the more the more respect that a dude gets guess what the more love he's going to show trust me and get this the more love a lady feels the more respect she's going to show trust me and really if we really do this illustration here's what we really ought to do we ought to just put arrows on both sides because those two actually go together in a cyclical way that's amazing amazing when we get it down but the problem is we live in a crazy messed up world where things like this are laughed at and so the world takes it and the world instead of cyclical makes it a spiral and the spiral and the spiral and it's spiraling out of control till finally you get in i'll be selling these prints after service for anyone uh, who wants these but do you see what happens here? We start with something that works and makes sense, and then the world takes it and destroys it. Satan has been doing that 
from Genesis chapter 3. There, 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 are all, there are all sorts of reasons why people may not relate to this. Because, because everything you're hearing from anywhere else other than church, other than from Jesus Christ, doesn't relate to this at all. So there may be all kinds of reasons. And there may be things that have gone on in your life. I mean, culture. I've got, I'm, I'm speaking on a, a nationwide Zoom call uh, this Tuesday about un, the importance of understanding cultures. We lead people to Christ because our culture is messed up. And culture is driving the way we think and behave much more than the Bible is right now. Culture is the lead, leading driver of, of the way people are thinking. And, and then there's generational issues. I mean, I was thinking about this this week. And because it used to be, you know, generation, I can remember when they would talk about generation was what, 20 to 30 years. Like was a new every generation. Now that's like... That's like eons. I mean, like in this room, there's like six or seven generations in this room. If you follow like the national like culture things and like, and, and every culture thinks about things different. Those of you who were boomers, or if there's some that are still builders that were before that, you, the Gen Xers don't even understand how you're breathing. Just like you can't figure out what's going on between their ears. You might as well be speaking different what? Languages. So what would happen to change our world if all of a sudden the language that we're all speaking, regardless of the generation, is the language of love and we're just treating people right? Is that going to change things? I think it's going to change things completely. Maybe, maybe you struggle with all this thing because you didn't have two wonderful role models. Maybe you grew up and are living still in a, in a single parent home and you got one person that's trying to be both people and it's hard. But understand, understand that this top part here before the crazy, that's God's design. That's what he wants. And so if we can work as close to God's design as possible, it's going to change things Completely. All right? The bottom line, guys, is this. You can have a marriage where both spouses are committed if they've got a solid foundation and they realize Satan's trying to destroy them. And so the bottom line is the greatest thing you can do for all of your relationships is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So how are we going to finish this up? Because I know that some of you have been for the last 30 minutes in an absolute, almost panic mode, thinking that we forgot communion. <laughs> we just, <laughs> we, <laughs> Stu and I talked about, <laughs> should we tell him beforehand? I was like, no, let's let him squirm a little while. <laughs> so here's what I want to do. We're gonna, this is going to be a little bit different invitation time today. Because everybody in this room needs to move. In just a minute, everybody in this room needs to move. There's three, three relationships we're about to work on right now, okay? Number one is the most, the single, single, single most important relationship on the planet. And that is your vertical relationship to a heavenly father. And if you have never made the decision to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and maybe you don't even know what that means, okay, cool. We've got people that will help you figure out what that means.
Alright? So here's what I'm going to do. In just a minute, when we all stand up, Bobby's going to come. He's going to be standing right here by the baptistry today. Alright? And then there's some rest of the staff and some other key volunteers around that if we need more than one person, we'll, we've got people to talk to you. So vertical relationship first. When we start singing, go there. Alright? Second, we got a lot of horizontal relationships in here, our earthly relationships. Some of them are spouses, some of them are children, some are grandchildren, some are neighbors, some are just friends, okay? And so we want this week, as we have worked on our vertical relationship, we want to work on our horizontal relationships. So you have homework this week, all right? Yep, you got homework. On all the communion tables is a big white envelope. This week, we want every person who attends worship, and some of them have already started, because some of them that were here Thursday night have already done it, and I've seen pictures and some really, really cool stories. We want you all to have a date night, all right? So if you are dating someone currently, then we want you to go on a date night. If you are married to someone, then we want you to go on a date night. If you, if you, neither one of those fits you, but you've got a child in your life that's still around, we want you to take them somewhere and pour into them from some of the things in our or a grandchild, or maybe you don't have any of those around, but you know somebody who's sitting at home by themselves just like you, and you can say, hey, hey, let's, let's go get something to eat. And you can talk about some of these principles, because in each of those envelopes, are eight more envelopes and they're numbered and so start with number one and then work your way through it all right it'll take you all the way through the meal and the whole evening and it'll be an incredible night and so the first one i'm going to go ahead and cheat the first one is when you open envelope number one before they come and actually take your full order is to take a selfie all right take it so you'll have something to remember the night by take a selfie if you're on social media post it scc date night and we can all share those things together okay but do that and work on that horizontal relationship vertical relationship to God, horizontal relationship to others, and then communion is our connecting relationship that connects us to the Father and treats how we treat other people and connects us that way. And so the first, the first part of your date night, if you are here and married, is to commune together right now. And so what we hope you'll do is they start leading in worship is that you will come and that you will get the emblems, the bread and the juice. You'll drop off your tithe. You need to, you'll get a packet and you'll, you'll eat. Go back to your seats and sit down. Thursday night, we had people kneeling up here, husbands and wives kneeling up here, taking communion and praying together. We had people kneeling at their seats and praying together. And allowing this moment to be the beginning of something new. And, and if you don't have the new that you want right now, maybe your prayer right now is, God, I really would like to have someone in that kind of relationship. And so to pray that prayer and then trust him. Don't get ahead of him, but trust him. All right? You with me? Vertical, horizontal, connecting. God be with us in this moment. And for those that need to make that decision to connect to you, be with them. And for all of us, let us all move and grow closer to you in this moment as we work on our relationships and try to get better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Stand up and let's move.
video it's going to be an announcement for all you married couples out there hi this is bobby woods discipleship pastor here at shelby christian i would like to invite you and your spouse to a marriage night out on september the 24th uh, that's a saturday from 5 p.m to 8 30 p.m uh, there'll be fun food uh, fellowship uh, around the campfire and there'll also be a great hay ride as well uh, we do offer child care However, if you would like to come, you need to make sure you sign up in the back of the church. You'll find some sign-up forms, or you can just follow the barcode on our slide. Um, we really look forward to seeing you. One thing to remember is that if it rains that day, we'll have it the following weekend on October the 1st. We hope to see you there. Have a great day. All right, church family, thanks for being here. Let's get out here. Let's go love God, love people. Let's go change the world. Have a great day.